God's grace, his mercy, his peace are yours from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, I'm from a foreign country. I'm caught here, and the government's trying to take away everything my family has, and I need your help. I need you to help me get me and my fortune out of this country of Nigeria, and I will compensate you richly for this. Please send your fax number or email us and let us know if you can help. So what do you do? You hang up. You ignore it. You guys know what a con is, right? A scheme. This is the 419 scheme or the Nigerian Prince scheme where they offer something that is so good they, they play on your kindness as a human being and then they offer something advanced, so, something wonderful afterwards that not only are you going to be kind, but you also get a lot of money for helping them out. That's what schemes do. They, they play in your emotions, they play on your naivety, and oftentimes you find yourself caught in them without even knowing. Today, as we start our Lent series, we look to this theme called scandal. And honestly, as you look at Lent and as it unfolds, you see different elements come out. You see betrayal, you see alliances, you see scandals and schemes, and all focuses on this one big scandal that circulates and aims and focuses on Jesus. And today we have our first step, the plot. Laying the foundation of this whole scandal, and it starts with Luke chapter 4. Let me read it for you again. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them was very hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it is all yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest peak of the temple. And if you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully in all your ways. They will lift lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus says, do not put the Lord to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left them until an opportune time. I have to chuckle at our author, Luke, as he writes this. Because if I would have written this, it would have been completely different. I would have milked this for all I could because I would pose this as an epic battle in the middle of a desert where the forces of light and the forces of dark were going at it and it was crucial. Because if the devil caused this force of light, Jesus, to stumble in any sort of way, he would have upended the whole salvation plan. It was a battle. Maybe not so much with, with hand-to-hand combat or swords and spears, but it was an intellectual battle, a spiritual battle, and there was no one there to see it. It was just 
enemy versus enemy, and the devil had the advantage. Jesus, in the wilderness, 40 days, hungry, tired, fatigued. And yet Jesus came out a victor. That's how I would have posed it. I was dressed it up with violence in this amazing battle between the light and the darkness, between life and death. But that's not what Luke does at all. Led by the Holy Spirit, Luke writes down these words and it comes off only, almost as if an old soul is talking with an old soul. As if they're, they're walking together, they never agree with each other, but they permit each other's presence and company and they're always talking and always going back and forth. And I realize now why Luke does that. Because this was a battle that wasn't just there in that wilderness. It's a battle that began from the beginning of time. An old enemy versus another old enemy. And they have been going at it since the creation of the world. And when you think back to the creation of the world, you can see just what Satan plans to do to Jesus. Because what was the world like at the beginning? Wasn't it perfect? It was amazing. You had the Garden of Eden. You had everything there that you could possibly want. Anything that would bring you joy and comfort. It was both functional and beautiful at the same time. You could sit in the Garden of Eden and you could see its creativity. And you could see how it takes care of you with the fruits and the the dwelling that you have there. It was amazing. And it just spoke of God's amazing power. His wonderful creative power was there on display in the Garden of Eden, and you could see it. It was paradise. No human sin was there. And then you see just how good Satan is. Because there, Adam and Eve, in the middle of this paradise, suddenly found themselves caught up in a scheme. as this old soul saunters up to them and causes them to let go of everything that God gave them. Think of it. God gave them everything. Everything sparkled with God's amazing power, the the trees, the forest, the animals, they all got together perfectly. They had everything that they needed. There's nothing that was absent. And... Yet this serpent comes up to them and he begins to talk to them and he, he, he makes something sparkle to them that shouldn't have sparkled at all. Out of everything in the, this garden, he made something look more appealing to Adam and Eve than what God had already given to Adam and Eve. And that was all creation. Think of God just commit, created everything with his word and with his power. And he said, here, Adam and Eve, this is all yours for you to care for and for you to use. And yet Satan comes and he says, what about this? What about something better? And he plants this scheme on Adam and Eve. This stranger 
when Adam and Eve had every reason to trust God because he was amazing to them, this stranger comes up and he plays the classic con. Don't you think you could have it better? He, he plays on their own goodness as if they, they simply trust a serpent and he actually plays God as a villain and say, do you really think God wants what's best for you? I know of something so much better. Let's keep it a secret between ourselves. All you have to do is reach out to this tree and take its fruit and it'll all be better. And Adam and Eve believed. They believed that when Satan said, would you surely die? They believed that they could call God out on on his very clear command that you would surely die. They believed that. They, They doubted God and they could trusted this complete stranger for their information, and you see what it brought them. It brought something so horribly wrong, and you have to think in Adam and Eve's shoes, what was I thinking? How foolish. We had everything laid into our lap. Now, Satan has stole paradise from under us. That's how smooth he is. He talked Adam and Eve out of paradise. He talked Adam and Eve out of letting go of every single blessing the Creator God had given them that was so wonderful for something else, and they look back and they feel how foolish they were. And that's terrifying for us. Because they had a paradise. Everything was good. And here we believe sometimes, whether it's true or not, that we feel like we're in a wilderness. That's where Jesus was. Satan, using that, that very same ploy that he made with Adam and Eve, he brought to Jesus, and you see him taking advantage of Jesus' weakness in the wilderness, hungry. He was, Jesus was a man, and so certainly he was fatigued, and so he took every advantage he could get, and he said to Jesus, those stones can look really good if you turn them into bread. No, not hungry. How about this? You know where God's going to take you. You're going to be suffering on a cross. How about you just come to me, avoid all that suffering, I'll give you everything that you get anyways, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. How about even test God out, see if he really loves you. Because those words he spoke 40 days ago, this is my son whom I love, seem to be fading now as you're feeling very weak and your stomach is grumbling. Why not jump off the temple and see if those angels are real? Make them do some work for once. You begin to see Satan's plot. You might not notice it right away, but it's there. 
as Satan convinces people to let go of God's promises to create their own. To let go of God's blessings. To take things into their own hand to make it just a little bit better. To make it a little bit more wonderful and more sparkling than what God has already given them. And it's terrifying to us because we do feel as if sometimes we are in a desert where God is not there. When our heart is broken, when our soul is hungry and it craves to be filled up, and Satan's right there and he says to us, I can give you a full soul. I know your knees are weary. Why not just bow down to me? Bow your will to mine. I'll give you everything and more. I can make your life so much more wonderful. Because it seems as if God's plan for you isn't really working out for you. Why not take control of your own plan and do your own things? And then that's when we realize, when we fall into Satan's trap, when we are weak and when we fall into temptation, that's when we realize when we take promises out of God's hand and put them into our hands, they spoil. Rot. So each week as we go through these series, we're going to follow a piece of the passion story. That's the second reading you see in the sermon text for today. It's about Judas. Perfect for this story. Judas, Jesus' disciples, had everything. He had his Savior right next to him, but Judas literally sold God for money. Why? Because Satan whispered in his ear, your money is an upgrade from their Savior. It's going to bring you more joy and more pleasure. It's so much better than the Savior from sins that you have right next to you. And you see what happened to Judas? It's spoiled in his hands. 30 silver coins. He couldn't even hang on to it. He had to toss it away into the temple and get rid of it. And where did he find himself? He found himself at the end of a rope that he tied. That's Satan's plot to get us to let go of the promises of God and to create our own promises for ourselves, to say, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to make my way. I'm going to make my own joy and my own comfort. And you see how it spoils. You see how we try to make our own self-esteem. That we, we... Pick from those around us how they give us kind words and show us affection. But what are we giving up? The self-esteem that God gives us? Where he says, I have loved you from before creation. You are my child, my my beloved. I, I have given everything for you. And yet there Satan is whispering to us, it could be so much better.
But there was Jesus in the wilderness. And you follow him through. And certainly he was hungry. And certainly he could change stones into bread, but he didn't. He could had all the world and just bending his weary needs to the devil. He could have showed how God loved him and cared for him by jumping off that temple. But he didn't. Because he still saw the goodness of God even in the wilderness. Satan couldn't get Jesus to give up the goodness of God even when there was nothing at all. Because Jesus understood how wonderful and how amazing God was at all times. That he even led him into the wilderness of life that is death to die on the cross simply because it was God's will. And simply because connected to God's will is every single blessing that God has promised with that will. And he died on that cross and he did something amazing to take us out of hands that die, our own hands, because we are mortal, we, we will die one day, we have sin, to take us out of those hands, the blessings that, that spoil in our hands, and to take us and put us into eternal hands that keeps us for eternity. That's what Christ did in a wilderness. He went up to Satan and he essentially said, Satan, you lie. You're a liar. You can promise every single thing in the world, and and they're probably good things, but the moments they are placed in our sinful, feeble hands, they spoil. That's his scheme to place our eternity, our life, our blessings in our own hands. And Satan chuckles because he knows he's got us. We're so confident of ourselves. We're so so willing to make things better for ourselves that we're so willing to grasp all of God's blessings and take it from him to ourselves. And Jesus says, not once will I do that. Because in taking for myself, I take out of the hands of the eternal Father that loves me. I see now why Luke wrote the way he did. This very almost docile narrative of Satan and Jesus. Because he had extreme confidence in his Savior. Who went through what you would think is the complete opposite of paradise in this world... And then the complete opposite of paradise actually in his death and his, de- his father denying him or turning his back on him. And yet in doing so, he has placed you and me into the internal hands of God as a loved one, a child. He has literally 
placed everything in our laps. He has given us it all. He reminds us that we can stand up to Satan and say, Satan, you lie. Because Satan is good. Not in a good sense. He's good at convincing us to give up paradise, and he shows us there's nothing worth giving up paradise. (coughs) Satan, you lie. Because I already have the Eternal Father holding me in his hands and give me all his goodness and his wonder and his glory. That even in the, the wilderness of my life, when it seems as if I want to turn stone into bread, when, when I, I struggle with my, my job, my career, my relationships, and it's just not going well, when I want to test God and, and see if he really loves me, I, I don't need to because he showed me in Christ who has placed me into your hands. We have confidence. So did Luke. We have a warrior that has started from the beginning of time and fights for us to the end. And has given us the strength to trust God and his ways for us and the strength to go to Satan and say, Satan, you lie. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.